Hello and welcome to Talent and Titan, a podcast for current and future leaders in the advertising, digital, and design spaces. Talent and Titan is produced by Creative Niche, an innovative staffing, recruitment, and executive search firm located in lovely downtown Toronto. You can find Creative Niche on all social medias at Creative Niche or at their website, creativeniche.com. Our guest for today's episode is Rachel Zimmer, co-founder of Five Crowd, a creative agency that utilizes a vast network of curated freelance talent in lieu of full-time creatives. Rachel started Five Crowd with her friend Bram, who she met during her time at Queen's University. From there, they would win a national ad competition together, end up working alongside one another at Johnson & Johnson, and eventually start their company. Rachel and I discuss how the idea for Five Crowd came about, the early days of the company, where they got the name from, her time at Second City, and much more. All that coming up next on Talent. business partner there who's Bram Warshawski we yes. um, you know we're friends in our earlier years and then we're both fortunate to land jobs at Johnson & Johnson for once uh, we were graduating mm-hmm. and with that we started you know geeking out and doing some business case competitions on the side and, and had a lot of fun doing it and, and had some good success so from there transitioned from our school relationship into the working world relationship which was awesome Wow, yeah. So, so were you guys classmates, or did you live in residence together? Or no, how did we, you were, we were classmates. Often people describe that we have, like, a sibling-type relationship. Okay. Um, so, you know, we very much complement each other, but are also very different people. So Bram is the technical, visionary type, and I'm the one who makes shit happen, so to speak, you know, right. like, bring it, bring it to life, um, whether through leadership or sales, financial management, and so on. Okay, cool. And I read that you guys also did a like a next top ad exec competition together or something yeah now was that after queens or was that during or no, before so that was during that was one of the nerdy uh, business competitions that we did right. um, which was fantastic because we were able to test what it was like to work together on something that was above and beyond you didn't have to do it for grades and mm-hmm. um, we were both just intrinsically motivated and um, you know had some good results coming out of that because of it and what was the project or what was the competition? So Top Ad Exec is sponsored by General Motors, um, run by McMaster, great competition. And essentially what General Motors does every year is, you know, they go out to students, um, undergrad or masters across the country every year and say, hey, here's a business challenge that we have. You know, the one we participated in was how do you launch um, a new car at the time in 2009, which was the Chevrolet Cruze. So GM was looking for support and ideas um, to, to do that. So the competition's basically three phases. The first mm-hmm. is like a two-page elevator pitch. Um, if you make it past that, it's a really lengthy, like 15-page report you submit. And wow. then the final round is um, the top 10 finalists will do a presentation for General Motors and some other industry execs. Um, and then the winners win cars, which is pretty cool. So uh, Bram and I both oh, won wow. some some Chevrolet Cruises, which was which was fantastic. Do you still drive that cruise? So Bram does. I was sadly <laughs> in a car accident. Oh um, my I, I was hit on the TVP um, from behind, and so I do not drive mine anymore. Wow. But it was a great car and kept me very safe in that accident. Well, there you go. And yeah. was that in your 
final year or yeah. yeah yeah and I've been back judging and speaking at the event I've you know oh, tried cool. to go back on campus whether to McMaster or York um, or to Queens, just to, you know, A, scout out good talent that's, you know, looking at that kind of um, vintage, if you will, when people mm -hmm. are in their final years is fantastic, but then also just to get the word out about Five Crowd. Okay, very cool. So then um, you mentioned that after graduating, you both worked together? Yeah, so funny. the, the Was funny that just coincidental? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. A thousand applicants to J&J &J for four marketing roles. The two of us compete against each other and are two of the four people that land there. So... That's crazy. hilarious. The best yeah. part is I was on a vino baby and Bram was on Johnson's baby. So we competed against each other literally in the market. Wow. So I, I always joke and make fun of him that a vino baby stole share. So <laughs> <laughs> while, while his business declined slightly and he would say that I had organics and naturals on my side, which is true, but wow. still, okay. still the, the results speak for themselves. Yeah. Uh, do you, are you guys still kind of competitive with each other? I know you work together, but yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a fair thing to say. I think we're both competitive with each other, but then also just competitive in general. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not um, competition for the sake of competition. We've both been very focused in saying what is the vision or the goal that we collectively want to achieve and then doing whatever we can to refine that goal and then obviously do what we can to, to meet and deliver on it. So I read a bit about how you guys... Um kind of came up with the concept of five crowd but maybe you can give me a bit more insight into that did you yeah. go right from johnson and johnson to starting five crowd or how did how did that happen so I, I'm happy to share the the story that we, um, you know, the, the founding story, if you will, behind Five yeah, Crowds. Sure. So, you know, Bram and I, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed students, fresh into the working world, the crazy millennials come into the workforce, and, you know, the traditional model to create an ad would be you call your agency, whether it's your digital agency or your PR agency, you give them the ask that you have, they write down the ask, and then, you know, there's some back and forth on that, then they come back to you with a quote, after that quote, you approve it. They deliver the files. You have some feedback on the files. And, you know, even for simple ask, the process can take a really long time and can be quite expensive. Right. Um, for good reason. It's, you know, gotta love Mad Men and Don Draper to use that reference for a big idea. But when it comes to high volumes of digital assets or social assets, if you will, that model can be very cumbersome. So, you know, right joining J&J, &J, um, you know, both of us hit different experiences where, you know, a simple banner advertisement might have been $25,000. And both of us were like, but we know Photoshop. We know how to use iMovie. Mm -hmm. It's not that complicated. Why, why will it take two weeks and 25 grand? Like, help us understand that. And I think, you know, the cool part about the millennials and, you know, the jack of all trades entering the workforce is that you can call bullshit a little bit on that right. and, and try and figure out how do you change the model so that you're using the Mad Men type folks for the big idea, what they're great at, what they were built for, instead of for scalable banner ads. So really that was the problem that we both felt day to day. We had budgets that were shrinking, growth expectations that were climbing, and then traditional partners that weren't able to be agile and nimble and meet our needs. So that was kind of the problem. And what we what we both realized was that through technology, you can now connect with talent around the world, right? With, right. It's unlike 25 years ago, that, that would not have been possible. We can share screens today. We can record a podcast yeah. in like, you know, a remote kind of way, which is super cool. 
And so using technology and then looking at the gig economy with, you know, the freelancer revolution, those two things in tandem really make an interesting time for changing and, and thinking about how you leverage your workforce. So that was really the genesis and rationale behind why we, why we started Five Crowd. Is that a problem that you saw in other places as well or with other people in the same industry? Yeah, so so I'd like to say that we were super smart and the only one seeing it, but you look at headlines in the New York Times, Fast Company, you know, there's a new book that just came out a couple years ago, Madison Avenue Manslaughters. This was not a novel idea that Brett and I had. Right. Everyone was talking about it and the rise of procurement post-2008 financial crisis. All those different things at play were, were really driving um, a new need in the market and, you know, I still respect and we collaborate with lots of great traditional agency partners, but they're just not built. The overhead, the infrastructure and the processes there, it's just not built to do a half day, quick turn, low cost, high volume asset creation type, type right. role, right? So, so that was kind of the, the reason and rationale for how we got there. And then so how did you actually start the company? Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so the, I blacked out. <laughs> Legitimately, I have no idea what happened. The oh. first six months was a pure was a pure blackout. Um, Bram and I had been brainstorming and, and and trying to figure out how do we crack it while still working client side mm -hmm. because we had great partners and we wanted to see them help us help us do it. And even after giving them feedback and trying to be open minded with some partners, it just wasn't possible. So ended up um, you know taking the leap. Starting Five Crowd, we worked out of, uh, funny anecdote, we worked out of Tangerine Bank. They used to have a small business office okay. for businesses that have a social mission over at Young and Shooter across from the Eaton Center in, um, in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And so it was equidistant between Bram's apartment and my apartment. We just stumbled upon the cafe and it was phenomenal. We worked out of there for 14 months. Wow. And it started off with, you know, when you start a business, you're planning, what do you do the next day? Once a month goes by, you might plan out, what do you do in the next month, right? And yeah. then as more and more time goes by, you've got your HST number, you've got your company name, you've got your accountant and your lawyer, and you're starting to get some customers. And that's when you can start actually doing a bit more of, of longer-term planning and building a team and so on. So we started in February 2014. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I half joke that I blacked out, but I actually legitimately, like the first six months, things just happened and it was, yeah. you know, 20-hour days um, that I look back on in a super fond and also foggy way. <laughs> right. And was it literally just the two of you? Uh, right at the gate, yes, we mm -hmm. had, um, we did have some freelance project managers that we worked with early days, um, and our team members, as we found them, um, you know, in the first six months, we, we did start building out the team and, you know, to what it is now. I think at our peak, we've been 15 people, 15 full-time, and we've mm -hmm. kept our full-time team lean by design. Our freelance network, um, which is part yeah. of the Five Crowd ecosystem, is really our talent base. Right. So, you know, I view that those 300 individuals, we do employee engagement survey type things with those freelancers. We know when someone has a kid or gets married. And so the relationship that you'd have with a full-time employee, we've really stretched that to our freelance base. And the freelance base is like 300-ish plus. Wow. And are those mostly in Toronto or is it in Canada or is it all over the world? All, all over the world. So our freelancers are located in over 150 cities around the world, just to give you the, wow. the, the magnitude of it. Mm -hmm. um, we do have a lot in North America for, for a bunch of reasons. The biggest is most of our customers are here. So just the cultural nuances mm -hmm. and understanding um, has been pretty important for that. 
And how did you, uh, like when you first started or kind of opened for business, did you find that the applications for freelance freelancers was pretty fast? Like yeah. Did, the, did they come quickly? So are you familiar with some of the freelance platforms like Upwork or Elance or Odesk, 99design? No. So, so, you know, for, for someone listening that um, also may not be familiar, um, you're familiar with eBay. So you can buy and sell goods and like I this bidding type, eBay, type yes. process. <laughs> awesome. So imagine eBay, but for freelancers. Okay. And so there's sites like that where there's talent, you know, that are ready to work and bid on a job. Uh, with like upwards of 10 million people on various platforms. Mm -hmm. So that kind of infrastructure is there already, um, but in a very mass kind of way. Like how do you go onto one of these platforms and find someone if there's 10 million people on there? And then the, the other piece is the average rating is 4.8 out of five stars on some of these you know, iconic freelance platforms. And so the problem is if everyone's 4.8 out of five, yeah. everyone has a nice profile image how do you know who's actually good? And so really the, the goal was to become a white glove or premium version of some of those freelance platforms servicing Fortune 500. So our customers include the Telluses, Labatt, CIBC, Hershey's of the world, um, where we make sure that we vet really, really good talent mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, have them ready to work when our, when our clients need us. And so what is that vetting process like? You don't have to go too in-depth. No, no, no. I'm, I'm happy to share. So our vetting process, if you go to www.5crowd.com mm -hmm. backslash freelancers, um, you'll see, you know, it's it's the landing page for freelancers that want to apply, and it'll say grow your business with 5Crowd. And really the goal for us is to be a good partner to these freelancers where we do the heavy lifting of writing a brief, creating the timeline, you know, um, getting the budget. And then once we've got all that information – it's just passing it over to the freelancer to set their rate. So it's a really good proposition for them. Um, when you land on our page, you enter in some really basic information. You share your portfolio link, you share your rough hourly rate, a few other pieces, and then from there, we go through um, a multi-step vetting process. And to give you an example of one of the parts of that, um, when a freelancer has submitted it, we've looked at their portfolio, we're like, yeah, this you know, this looks really great. Christian could be, could be a great person that we should work with. Um, we'll invite we'll invite that individual to do a pilot project. So it's a fictitious project that you know we may have worked on with a client previously. It's customized by skill set, and we pay a stipend for it. So mm -hmm. we'll pay someone you know a, a fraction of what the actual project would be worth. We invest to get to know them because it's not we're not um, you know charging that out to clients. It's us investing. They're investing to get to know us. Um, and then on that project, there might be some interesting things that happen. Perhaps the timeline gets condensed. Perhaps there's some tough creative feedback. And so what happens is in that simulated environment, we're able to very quickly see how does this person respond? You know, how detail-oriented are they? Can they take the creative feedback? And through that pilot project, we have a pretty good understanding of that individual going on to a live project thereafter. That's really cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's how do you come up with the, with the fake projects? We, we use ones that were were tricky in the past right, on live okay. client projects, and we just change some pieces so that yeah. there's nothing confidential shared. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And have you had, had, sorry, had you had any freelance experience yourself before you started Five Crowd? So I had worked directly with freelancers while working client side, mm -hmm. and what was amazing about that was, you know, in the problem I shared earlier of you know simple banner ad. Why is it twenty five grand in two weeks? 
The beautiful thing is when you go directly to talent, can be way more cost effective and way faster, right? Because you're dealing with that one-on-one -on -one individual instead of having a machine and a lot of overhead that's kind of processing the, the being the middleman, if you will. The, the problem when you go directly to talent is a couple fold, right? One is that specifically for Fortune 500s that are worse, used to working with ad agencies, you know, they're used to their agency partners laughing at their jokes, buying them champagne. They've been may have been working on their brand for five years or so. So they they're able to catch a lot of things before that happens. So the service levels are are pretty phenomenal for or should be pretty phenomenal for agencies versus freelancers, direct to freelancers. The second is quality control. So if you have someone that, you know, maybe is working as a lone soldier, there's no second set of eyes. Perhaps they overcommit themselves and they take on too many projects and they miss the timeline. Like there's some quality issues that can come up come out to play. And then the final piece is compliance. How do you know that the freelancer you're working with on the other end of the computer is actually the person they say they are? You know, if right. you're PNG, you want to make sure that Unilever isn't the designer working on the other end if you've got confidential assets. So I did have experience working directly directly with freelancers and and recognized that the quality service levels and compliance levels were a problem going direct. And that's really what Five Crowd solves. So we take the good of the freelance platform, the vetted on-demand hiring, and then we bring the good of the agency world. So the quality control, the service levels, and compliance. And through marrying those two, you know, we're kind of like a, a great value or lower cost traditional agency, just because we do high volumes of video content, social content, digital, and so on. Or we're kind of like a really high-end or premium freelance platform. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, I also read online that you took improv at Second City, is that true? I did, I did. So I'm a little rusty. I haven't done it in a few years, but I am a proud Second City grad. Very cool. When did you do that? While you were in university or while no, you were I at? I started it at um, when I was at J&J. &J. I started in 2011, and then I think I graduated 2013, 2014. Oh, so it's like a, a two, three-year... I'm not very there, familiar, there's but. different programs. So there's, um, you know, if anyone just wants to get some basic improv experience, you mm -hmm. can just join um, the base program and there's levels A through E and those are each basically semesters. And then once you've done that base program, you can then audition to get into either the conservatory program or the long form program. And so I did the long form program thereafter, which is several levels. So everyone was really intense. Wow. Everyone's doing that full time and really yeah. awesome actors and comedians. So I was definitely the crazy business outlier, <laughs> but love and cherish those people dearly. And do you think that has influenced uh, your professional uh, career at all or helped out or? I think it's representative of my personality in some ways. Like I'm a bit of a quirky dynamic type person mm -hmm. and the way it's kind of you know resonated in our business and um, you know from a training perspective we do a lot of role-playing so <laughs> including in the interview process so imagine a tough scenario with a client you know enter Christian we kind of go wow. back and forth and you would do some role-playing and figure out you know in a safe environment how do you react and manage a, a different scenario so that's a, a good way that that's resonated right when I first started doing um, improv this was not a good thing I was doing so much like six or seven nights a week like so I yeah. was super super into it and I found myself in a business meeting, like miming, pouring a, like from a pitcher, <laughs> a glass. I'm like, I'm doing this too much. If I'm presenting slides and like miming a, a glass pour, <laughs> yeah. a, a little too much improv. Did anyone comment 
or ask what you were doing? I think I just subtly put my hands subtly. down and, and let it slide. I don't recall anyone yeah. pulling me aside being like, are you all right? But uh, <laughs> they should have if, if anyone did notice. Is there anything else that you've done, uh, like improv classes, for example, that you know you think is uh, positively influenced um, um, how you work or, or um, how you've succeeded that maybe people wouldn't uh, expect? I think, you know, I'm a student of startup culture, so even though we have a service element to our business, we operate and view ourselves as a tech startup, so have been down to Silicon Valley, you know, shadowing Y Combinator, tech stars, going to demo days for the last, you know, five, ten years, mm -hmm. um, nerdily out of, on a vacation, Bram and I would go down for a week and just you know, meet people, network, follow that demo day type startup feel, and I think the more you can immerse yourself in that environment, you know, the more you'll have people to call when stuff goes wrong, the more you'll have um, understanding of how other businesses have scaled and succeeded and failed. Mm -hmm. And so I think just being a student of startup culture, whether it's reading books like, you know, Ben Horowitz, The Hard Thing About Hard Thing, or listening to Stanford's e-university courses on entrepreneurship, all of that kind of content is phenomenal. Um, and, you know, while still working in the corporate world was a sponge absorbing that, which really helps um, thereafter. And did that interest in the startup culture uh, begin when you were in Queens, or did it start later on? I think I've always been a builder. So I'd actually mm -hmm. say it probably started before that. So simple things like I worked at part-time in high school at the Sheridan Hotel in uh, customer service and, you know, coming forward to the management there with different quirky ideas of how they could drive, you know, drive incremental revenue for them, but also add new customer um, value add pieces, you know, those types of things like being entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial just come come naturally to me, I guess. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it. Um, I like adding value both to a, on the customer side and to the business side. So, yeah, I think it probably started off um, at, a, at a younger age. And so you've always been kind of a, a leader, I guess, in, in a sense, would you say? Yeah, I would say so. I think the way that I lead is by understanding what other people's motivations are and by understanding how I can help them get there. So, you know, when people join Five Crowd um, and after, you know, building a bit of a working relationship, I'll always ask, I hate that, what do you want to be or where do you want to be in five years? But, you know, posing the question of, I don't, I, I'd love it for you to be here at Five Crowd in five years, but mm -hmm. if not, help me understand where you will be if it's starting a yoga studio or if it's, moving to another country and traveling for years. Because if I have that knowledge and background, I can then put people on projects that will help them get there. So, you know, one example of this um, is a phenomenal project manager that used to work with us full time. She shared that she wanted her, you know, her eventual goal was to go freelance. And we were able to enable her both from a phased out perspective. So she reduced her hours slowly. So, you know, went mm -hmm. from 40 to 30 to over, over a several month period while she built her business. And then also just skills, things like bookkeeping, sexy, sexy things like bookkeeping <laughs> and finances that you might not be exposed to in your traditional role. If you can overshare and say, you know, this is where I'm thinking of going from a leader perspective or leadership perspective, I can then help someone get there. So I'd say I've always been motivated and excited to see other people achieve their goals. And, you know, that example of just actually having a dialogue about it and then helping people get there is something that I find really inspiring and motivating. That's very cool. You sound like a great boss. Yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Where do you see yourself in five years? So I, you know, since 
starting five crowd, we've had the good fortune of being acquired by a company called Southern Graphics, which is owned by Onyx. So we were acquired about 11 months ago. Um, and the integration's been great because they've been injecting capital and scaling out our platform and our crowd. And we've been able to help them change and think about work a little bit differently. So my role now, um, my new title is Vice President of Workforce Innovation. So okay. I'm helping the 3,500 employees at SGS get access to the crowd, offer our clients new skill sets, and really change the way we're working to be more efficient, leverage technology, and not only think about full-time employment, but also freelance. So that's a bit about what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. I'd say longer term, um, I'll be starting another business. It's it's in my DNA. It's in Brand's oh, really? DNA. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we joke. We've spent probably twenty thousand hours together. And what's the line? If you've spent ten thousand yeah. hours, you're probably an expert at something. So we just we just we don't even need to communicate that much when we're working because we just know we're on we're on the same wavelength. Right. So. I would imagine that we'll start another business at some point, but it would not just be starting another business for the sake of it. I think what, what made Five Crowd so successful is that we understood our customer problem very intimately, mm -hmm. and we built a business to solve that problem. So the only way I would do it again is in that same kind of vein, really identifying another meaty problem that we are best suited based on our skill set and knowledge to be able to, you know, really solve for, for a potential customer base. Very cool. Um, I also read online that uh, you did some traveling in India. Did. I did. Wow, you did your research. I did do my research. <laughs> and um, I might be misremembering, but you were doing some sort of courses there or teaching or what was the nature of that trip? So, so I'll kind of share two anecdotes on this. I think anecdote one is that I'm a pretty intense person. If you couldn't have uh, figured that out just from our, from our chat so far. And so, you know, a lot of people say, you know, your career is long and like a marathon, not a race. And I'm my personality type because I'm quite intense is to go really hard at something and then ease off for a bit, go really hard at something and then mm -hmm. ease off for a bit. So more like interval training than a marathon. Yeah. So I've had the fortune and tried to plan it that in between every big career move, I've taken three to four months off. So after leaving J&J &J before starting Five Crowd, I spent three to four months uh, just traveling India, learning the offshore business. At the time, I was still exploring potential other job opportunities, so I was looking in India for, for that kind of thing. I did the same thing. I backpacked through Africa, from Kenya down to South Africa, which was amazing. Wow. And then uh, Bram and I actually both um, were in Thailand on Exchange University, again, by coincidence. We are not dating, I should clarify. Most people <laughs> at this point are like, oh, this is so cute. No, no, no. We, um, we both have significant others and yeah. uh, are business partners. Wow. It's, yeah, it's very fortunate to have uh, met each other. It seems like Agreed. it was uh, a, a natural kind of, I don't know, symbiotic relationship. Is that the right word? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Um, yeah, so what exactly were you, you were just, Traveling in around India? and um, yeah, so I was doing a bit of networking. So mm -hmm. met a bunch of you know now could be prospective clients that are there. Um, you know, understanding the offshoring business. There's a lot of perceptions about you know oh I can just send work to India. It'll be low cost. I can pay someone five dollars an hour and get it done tomorrow and chase the sun where they're working while I'm sleeping. And so. Right. You know, without knowing a ton, I, I went over there and, um, you know, was connected through the Toronto Indian population that, you know, got good friends here that are from there, the diaspora. Um, and as I met people there, um, 
it was really, really interesting understanding the workflow to how to make it successful. And then also the, the fear that I'd say is in the market, which is that the, the talent market today is global. Even mm -hmm. though the cost of living might be lower in Manila or in Mexico or in Joburg, at the end of the day, we're becoming a global talent marketplace. And so what that means is no longer, you know, in five to 10 years, I don't believe that the variance in skills, especially now with freelance from one market to another will be that dramatically different. So the big fear from execs I was meeting with in India in the tech space were, we're really afraid, like our, our clients overseas in North America are expecting that our costs are gonna stay at X. At the end of the day for us to hire, for instance, in consulting, a really good knowledge worker, you're at six figures USD. Mm -hmm. And so even in India, right? Even right, when you're in right. Delhi or at the end of the day, if someone's graduated from a top university, whether in India or Europe or somewhere else, right? Like it's a, it's a global talent marketplace now. And so, what I think is fantastic with Five Crowd in that kind of way is that, you know, as part of our platform, we'll shortlist talent on a per project basis. And then you bid on the project in your local currency, but it's whatever you think the work is worth. And so even though someone might be in the Philippines and someone might be in North America and someone might be in Argentina bidding, we find that the quotes aren't that, that dramatically different. It's right. where you'll see variances is more based on skill level. So for instance, a junior production artist versus a senior creative director. Obviously the, there should be some differences, right. but the geography piece is becoming less and less of, of variance. That's really interesting. Was Africa a similar trip? Oh, no, pure fun. Pure, pure fun. fun. India was like 75% this kind of work yeah. learning, and no, Africa was um, was a pure fun. And did you go by yourself? or? No, I went with a girlfriend who, um, funny enough, she, her and I were paired together as roommates in Thailand, so we didn't know each other before that. And she you know, grew up living in different countries every three to four years. Um, her mm -hmm. father was a mining engineer, so she had the travel bug and need to move around, and she uh, got me infected, so <laughs> to, to use a terrible lingo. Um, so <laughs> I've um, been moving around and traveling ever since and really just caught the bug from her. Oh, very cool. Um, so you are quite young, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, you, 29. You're you 30, one of the 30 under 30, yeah. um, which is amazing. Um, you're, you seem to have come pretty far in your career for someone who is your age. Thank you. Do you, uh, like, it seems to have happened really fast, and you kind of mentioned blacking out when it all began, <laughs> and it just yes. seems like almost like you started something and, and just kind of ran with it. Yeah. Is looking back, is there anything kind of you wish you would have done differently or maybe hmm. or you know maybe there's a bit of advice you would have given yourself at 21 or 19 or 25 or hmm I think you know one of my early managers who I have a ton of respect for um who I learned a lot from you know gave me a piece of advice at the time so this is before I left J&J um, so call it 2013, 2014. Um, it's not that long ago. Um, but, but the advice was to be patient and just let things come. And I think that's very good advice for a millennial. There's a lot of stereotypes rooted in, in the millennial like demo, right? That, oh, we need things right now and we want to be the CEO tomorrow. But on the flip side, you know, I think we're operating, again, going back to that global talent piece, we're in an era of global meritocracy, right? If you do good work, you deliver, you can offer great value to someone. It's kind of regardless of age, gender, ethnicity, religion, 
geographic, you know, or demographic. So, so I think what I never would have wanted and what I'm happy that I, that I didn't stop myself with is, Oh, I'm X years old. So I can't, I think I've always had the, I hope I've always had the humility to say, you know, I, I know I don't know a ton of stuff and I've been fortunate to surround Bram as well, surround ourselves with some good mentors. So people that have been around the block, you know, many times before that can give us tough love that we can go to with a ton of problems to help overcompensate for some of that, you know, lack of experience, if you will. So we have the advisors that we've surrounded ourselves with and, and that humility, I hope to, to put up our hand and say, we don't know what we're doing. Can you, can you please point us in the direction? Mm-hmm. Um, but bringing it back to that patience piece, you know, I think it's something that you, to be successful in the corporate world, I think that patience is incredibly important because often companies operate on a biannual or annual talent cycle, annual business planning. It's just a slower moving beast, right? Yeah. But on the flip side, I think the sense of urgency and the speed to value is part of what made Five Crowd successful because right. we were just moving so quickly to be able to grow and scale and get smart, good people around us. So. You know, I would say depending on the environment you're in, either remember things aren't going to happen tomorrow mm-hmm. or if you're in the startup world, things need to happen tomorrow. Otherwise, there's going to be no cash left in the bank. Right. right. So I think it's just about that contextual understanding and mm-hmm. and um, the humility to know when you don't know what's going on and to put the right people around you to help. Oh, that's great. I, uh, I don't really have any more questions. That's pretty much everything. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about or plug or promote or anything like that well you know speaking about the piece that i i was self-aware of the the things that we didn't know and couldn't couldn't um, figure out on our own and um, bram and i tried recruiting talent for the longest time on our own while delivering customer service and marketing and finances and 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 mm-hmm. And, you know, talent recruitment is hard. It is really hard. And we resisted for a long time leaning on outside agencies from a cost perspective. We're like, geez, if you look at the percentage of it higher, the cost of doing it. And we finally hit a point once we hit a certain scale, call it three years in, where, you know, we just said, we need people tomorrow. If, if someone like, um, you know, like a really good recruiting partner could bring forward talent, it... I would, I would pay, you know, I, I, I just need, I just need them right now. Like it's, it's worth the cost benefit. And, you know, I had such great experience with, you know, recruiters and that I, I wish we did that sooner. And right. that I think trying to be scrappy and doing that on our own, we should have kind of call it parallel path, try doing it on our own, but then also said, maybe we should also leave it to some experts and, and see, you know, if we lean on people that have done this once or twice mm-hmm. before, if they're able to help us, help us do that. So I, I'd say the final thing, you know, just speaking on a talent podcast and, you know, recruiting and vetting talent, I, I wouldn't be shy to lean on recruiters, whether being on the talent side or being on the company side. And it'll be something I'll take with me the rest of my career. Awesome. Yeah. There's a weird thing. It's kind of hard to ask for help sometimes. And it's expensive. It's it expensive. feels expensive, right? Yeah. It's, and for someone that hasn't worked with a recruiting agency, um, it, it, it does feel like a lot. You're like, okay, well, if it's X percent of an annual salary, how much time of that would, you know, would that be of mine in, in exchange? And I think it, my takeaway was it was so expensive not using the talent right. agency because I was spinning my wheels, our team was spinning our wheels, and as soon as we leaned on some good experts and outside support with incremental networks and a good understanding of how to place people, it was a game changer. 
Cool. Well, uh, that's great. So, fivecrowd.com is the website. Where can people go to apply for to be a freelancer? Uh, to be a freelancer, it's fivecrowd.com backslash freelancers mm-hmm. to join Five Crowd. So, we are actually hiring for full time talent today out of the Toronto office. So, looking for you know smart people that have traditional agency experience, but that like tinkering. They're entrepreneurial in nature. They, you know, are not stuck in their ways. They want to challenge the status quo. They're inspired by technology. So that's kind of the profile of the the person that's on our team. Um, And we've got a we're hiring page on fivecrowd.com. And that concludes my chat with Rachel at the Five Crowd offices. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something, and I hope you had fun. If you'd like to keep up with Rachel and or Five Crowd, you can find them on Twitter at fivecrowdto or at fivecrowd.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Talent and Titan on iTunes or at talentandtitan.simplecast.fm. Also, make sure to follow us on all social medias at Talent and Titan, as well as our sponsor at Creative Niche. I'm your host, Christian Gilbert. Once again, thank you for listening, and please take care until next time. Cheers. Cheers.